the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 10th chapter. Glory to you, Lord. Our Gospel reading is from St. Matthew, chapter 10, verses 34 through 42, and can be found in your pew Bible on page 1512. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members, the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple truly, I tell you that that person will certainly not lose their reward. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. A couple of prayers at the very beginning of this this morning. Will you pray with me now? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. Sorry, John. This was never about you, and he knew it. As John himself said, John the Baptist, by the way, he must increase, but I must decrease, John 3.30. And guess what? It isn't about your pastor either. It isn't about church musicians it isn't even about you. Every divine service, every divine service is about Jesus. Every divine service is about his obedience. 
about his crucifixion and his resurrection for the salvation of mankind. Every divine service is about his forgiveness and salvation given to you through water, through word, and wine, and bread. In the name of Jesus, amen. Your worthiness before God. Our gospel reading this morning, Matthew 10, 34 through 42. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The gospel reading for this morning from Matthew 10 is really a commentary on the first commandment. Stay with me. But from the top of Mount Sinai, God said, You shall have no other gods, little G's, before me. And Martin Luther gave us a concise explanation of what it means to have no other gods. He says, we should fear, we should love, and trust in God above all things. And in Matthew's gospel, Jesus takes up that very subject of the first commandment by making a very specific application of it in regards to familial, to family relationships. And what does it mean to have no other gods when you examine your priorities and your love for others? Have you thought about that? What it means to have little g gods in your life? Well, Jesus says this, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And he also says that divisions, divisions, even animosity, may arise in the home because of him. I have come, he says, to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Now I've, okay, no jokes. He says further, and a person's enemies, a person's enemies will be within his own household. Well, thanks for cheering us up there, Pastor. Well, there's more. So where do we begin as we consider what Jesus says to us this morning? Where do we go? Maybe you're saying, boy, I wonder how he's going to pull this one out. Stand by. How are we to understand Jesus' rather harsh statements? And more importantly, how are we to apply his statements, his truth to our own 
lives. Well, let me begin with this. It appears to me that when God gave his commandments, all ten of them, including this one, we are to have no other gods before him. He actually meant it. You get that feeling too? And I suspect that idolatry, the love of someone or something more than God, is a sin that we don't tend to worry about too much. Perhaps we think of idolatry as a a practice or a sin steeped in ancient pagan rituals, the setting up of a carved image or a statue. I don't have any of those in my house, do you? I sure don't pay homage to it if I did, so I must not have any idols, right? Wrong. Perhaps we never thought ourselves idolatrous because we can't think of a time when we didn't believe in God and in his Son, Jesus Christ. But in reality, idolatry is simply holding someone or something in life as greater than or more important than God is to us. And it's a matter of priorities and commitments. And the truth is, idols do come in all sorts of shapes and all sorts of forms. Money, success, adoration, respect, our love for our spouse or for our children. Mind you this, it is not that we shouldn't love some or these such things. Actually, a part of love is cherishing something and respecting it, even honoring it. So to receive as from God's hand and to love the things of this life is good. And it is right. We should love our families, our children, our wives, our neighbors. But our love for the blessings, our love for the gifts we enjoy cannot exceed our love for the one who gives them. Ah. The one who gives them. If we end up worshiping the creation, Mother Earth, ain't no such thing. If we end up worshiping the creation rather than the creator, Jesus says this, we are not worthy of him. And this, I think, is where these words of Jesus cause us the most difficulty. We know we're supposed to love God above all things. I'm sure that didn't come as a surprise. We know, too, that we often fail to do so. But here in this reading this morning, Jesus is telling us that if that is the case, if you've ever in your life loved someone more than him, 
You're not worthy. You're not worthy of him. And those are difficult words to hear. Perhaps you already wrestle with feelings of unworthiness. And thanks for adding some more there, Pastor. Stay with me. Perhaps you wrestle with these feelings of inadequacy in your life. Maybe you learned through signals that you gleaned over the years that you are just flat out not good enough and that you don't measure up to whatever arbitrary standard someone else set for you. Maybe you felt the sting of rejection or the contempt of those who considered themselves better than you. Maybe you wrestled through the loneliness and discouragement of being isolated. Anyone feeling that now? Maybe you have wrestled through the loneliness and discouragement of being shunned or perhaps even abandoned. And now, as if all of that weren't bad enough, you turn to God's Word. I turn to God's Word, and I read out His authoritative and inspired Word, and Jesus says to you, if you loved your parents or your children more than me, you aren't worthy of me either. Does that sting? Frankly, these words of Jesus are about as harsh as the law gets. They're as harsh and as bad as it gets. You look to Jesus for acceptance, don't you? To be received with open arms and a loving smile. But when you turn to him, he says to you, you are not worthy of me. And what is what does he hope to accomplish by turning you away with such harsh words? Well, as is always the case, Jesus says what he does. And it's not to drive you to despair or even to drive you away. Rather, it is for this purpose. He speaks harshly to you to knock out from under you whatever false hope or whatever false security you're relying on in terms of your relationship with him. Knocking us off of our high horse. And you might find Hope. This is why he does it. That you might find hope not in yourself, but in him. In his grace and his mercy. Jesus, after all, is the solid foundation on which your faith is built. All other ground, we know. Scripture tells us all other ground is shifting 
sands. And so this morning, if I were to ask you to see yourself as worthy of Jesus, if you see yourself as worthy to Jesus, move over to the pews over there on this side, on the lectern side, if you feel you're worthy of Jesus. And I would hope that all of you who are currently sitting in this section would scramble to get to the pews on that side with the unworthies. And that those of you who are already sitting here on this side of the pulpit would be content to remain where you are. That's so unfair of me. I couldn't, couldn't resist it. Here's the point. None of you, none of us, not me, not you, are worthy of Jesus. We're not worthy of his love. We're not worthy of his mercy or of his forgiveness or of his grace. None of you deserve to be accepted and loved by God. When's it going to get better? Are you asking that? Well, here's the point again, and yet here you are. Here you are, the redeemed of God, gathered in his house, receiving fully his gifts of grace and of forgiveness. Your, God's acceptance of you is a fundamental to the gospel itself. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That's what the apostle said. You have been baptized. You have been baptized into Christ Jesus. And as such, your father says to you today, even as he does every day, the same thing that he said about his son, his beloved son, as he came up out of the water and the spirit lit upon him like a dove, the father said, in you, I am well pleased. He's saying that about you right now. And his acceptance of you is not because you have completely and perfectly kept his commands or because you are worthy of his favor. To the contrary, you and me, we haven't done what he tells us to do. We just haven't. But Jesus has. It is he who has loved the Father more than any other. It is he who has perfectly kept every commandment. It is he who lived a pure and holy life. And he did it all in your stead, in your place. Jesus is your substitute, both in life and in death. So, in and through the gospel of Jesus' life and death and resurrection, and by virtue of your baptism into Christ, you are, in fact, worthy of the love and the acceptance of God. God's face, it 
really does shine on you because he sees you as he sees his own son. He sees you as holy, as blameless, spotless, even pleasing to the sight when he sees you. There is a parable in Matthew 22 that illustrates our worthiness before God in a very graphic but very comforting way. You remember this. There was a a wedding feast that took place, and the king, he sent out his servants to invite the guests. But the guests wouldn't come to the feast. In fact, they seized the king's servants, and they beat them, and they treated them shamefully. And the king was really angry, and he said, the wedding feast is ready, but those invited are not worthy. So others were invited to the feast, and they came. They came in to the feast. But among them was a man who wasn't wearing a wedding garment. And the king said to the man, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. The man without the garment, he was speechless. He had nothing to say in his defense. And then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him out into the outer darkness. The king's reaction seems a little harsh, doesn't it? The poor man seems to have simply been lacking the proper clothing. So why, why is he cast out into the outer dark, darkness? Is, is poverty a great sin in the eyes of God? No. No, that is not the point. The garment that the man lacked was the garment that you were all given in holy baptism. The garment that he lacked, the purity and the righteousness of Christ was what he lacked. That which makes us, which makes you worthy in the sight of God. Ooh, he snuck it in that time. Your baptism, your baptism, your baptism made you worthy. You are worthy. As the prophet Isaiah declared long ago, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me in garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest, with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. And so, you stand before God, struggling to love Him as you should, and yet you are worthy in His sight. That's the truth. That's the gift. That's the promise given to you.
In the name of Jesus, amen.